Hey everyone, and welcome to Social Sport. I'm Emma Zimmerman, and on this podcast, I feature conversations with endurance athletes of all types committed to fostering social change. The athletes that I speak with on this show are climate change activists, mental health advocates, promoters of more inclusive outdoor spaces, and much more. Through Social Sport, I share the stories and thoughts of people who explore the connection between sport and activism in their lives. So let's dive right into it. Amira Figueroa is an endurance athlete with a wide range of experiences in the outdoors, from qualifying for the Boston Marathon to a top 10 finish in the Mohonk Preserve 50-mile race. He works as a senior research scientist at Columbia University Medical Center. And when he's not running or collaborating with other scientists, he co-leads Harlem Run, which is a collective of runners passionate about the Harlem, New York community. It is a strong, positive, and diverse group of runners, walkers, and joggers of all sizes, ages, and abilities. In this episode, Amir talks all about his passion for running, building community through sport, and his advocacy work of various types. Right now, COVID-19 has wreaked havoc on New York, so this was a really special episode and a way to honor both Harlem and the greater New York area that both Amir and I love. So I'm really excited to share this conversation with Amir M. Figueroa. Hi, Amir. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing great. Awesome. So I always want to ask people if you can drop me into your space right now. Where are you physically and mentally right now? Well, that's a good question. Well, physically, um, I am at home quarantining with the family. Uh, so my wife, Allison, and my son, Corey, who is now nine months old, uh, which is great. Um, we're, in, uh, we're in our apartment at home. Um, she's actually out on a walk right now. Um, and mentally, I mean, that's the, I love, cause I have to check in with everybody, uh, especially, I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, mentally, I've been going through it. I've had my ups and downs just because of this whole coronavirus thing. Um, I've been like up and down, but right now, like I'm really good. I'm hopeful. Um, and I'm hopeful because like, I'm actually in the lab working on a coronavirus study and I do, I research so much on it. I try to stay up to date with all the information, with all the studies as opposed to just listening to the news. Uh, so yeah, I mean, today I'm, I'm feeling really good, hopeful for the future and for what's to come. Yeah, I'm totally, I totally feel for all of you in New York right now because I know you were hit really hard by the coronavirus. Most of my family lives in New York, so I've been keeping up to date with all of them and I really feel for all of you and thank you for the work that you're doing in the lab. Thank you. So I know you were born and raised in South Bronx and now you live in Harlem. So have you lived your entire life in New York City? Uh, for the most part, like the one thing a lot of, most people don't know about me is that uh, I was actually born in Yonkers. Oh. And then when I was like 11 months, my mom moved to the West Coast. Uh, so I grew up in, in, uh, in LA or the LA area for about eight, nine years. Um, and at the time, my mom, she was a single mother and she was taking care of three kids, me, and then I have an older and a younger sister. So she basically like kind of split us up. So I moved to New York to live with my uncle and my aunt. And I've been in New York City ever since. So wow, that's yeah. why most people, when you, when you, 
if you've never been around me and uh, you haven't known where I'm from, most of you like, man, I mean, you're so chill. Because New York, uh, you have like this up tempo. Most New Yorkers who've been here their whole life have like this up tempo, really high energy type of, <laughs> um, I guess, personality. Me, I'm just laid back and I get it from the West Coast. That's so funny that that experience on the West Coast, you feel like, has affected you so much today. Oh, oh yeah. But do you feel like a New Yorker? Would you call yourself a New Yorker? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I've been in New York so long, like, is, that's who I am. And I mean, now, um, I mean, my, my, my style and personality is laid back, but definitely when people hear me speak, they're like, oh, you're from New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like once you're a New Yorker, you never stop being a New Yorker, right? Exactly. That rings true. Do you remember why you started running, Amir? Yeah. Um, it was just, so it was back in, was that like 2009? um so me like it's so crazy like how me and my wife have, wife have met and like we're both like really uh, activists and advocates uh like she's really focused on mental health and me i've always been an hiv aids advocate mm -hmm. so because uh, i lost my father when i was four due to complications with hiv and so my whole life i've just known what hiv and aids is because the first time i ever got tested like i wasn't even aware so back in 2009, a very good friend of mine, she was always telling me like, yo, you should go raise some money for uh, this uh, local nonprofit. And she was, she had been doing it for like the past two, three years. Her name is Maria Davis. And she was raising money for Harlem United. And uh, she would tell me that she walked. I was like, wait, you walked 26.2 miles? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, that's nuts. <laughs> Who can walk for that long? I mean, it was like, so she's, she's somebody living with the virus and she has been living with it for the past 20 years now. And at the time it was like 15 or however many years. Um, and she has neuropathy in her feet. And so that's why it really surprised me. Cause I'm like, yo, she's really struggling. And for somebody who has these co physical complications, she's like, yo, I'm going to go. And she would complete 26.2 miles for something she was really passionate about, obviously because once she lived with it and she was all about inspiring people um, to just live healthy lifestyles, no matter what and to push people who are living with HIV and AIDS. And so I've worked alongside her, just doing speaking engagements, um, working in the community, again, because there's so much stigma and a lot of myths around HIV and AIDS, especially in the black and brown communities in particular. And so we would uh, do a lot of work. We got a grant from the city and we would do a work in a local church. So a local um, Baptist church and create conversations, because more often than not, one of the few places where they don't have conversations about sex um, and HIV and AIDS and STIs and STDs is inside like houses of worship. Um, but we got a grant and we were able to do that work. So in 2009, I was like, you know what, I'll do it. So I signed up never, the longest I've ever ran in my life was uh, maybe eight, nine miles. Um, so I started training and started raising money for Harlem United. And I just had the most amazing experience. It was tough. And finishing 26.2 miles changed my life. And ever since then, I was like, yo, I want to help transform people's lives through running. And uh, ever since then, yeah, I started a running group at my church. And uh, that's how I met my wife. And um, I've been running ever since. So, Wow. I mean, there's so much in there that I want to dive into. Um, but first of all, it's interesting because I think a lot of runners who are also activists, they start with running first, you know, and then they decide that they want to be an activist for whatever they're passionate about. So it's really interesting that you 
really started from this place of raising awareness about HIV and AIDS, especially in black and brown communities. And then that led to running. So I'm curious, has that advocacy piece really been central even still? Is that the main reason you continue to run today? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, uh, I mean, I love being married to somebody who like has a similar passion because that's how it was. Um, like, and people will have real conversations with, um, I always tell them, I was like, like, cause imagine when two people meet each other, they're two leaders, right? And they have their separate running groups. Mm-hmm. It's hard for somebody to just drop everything they're doing and then just say, I'm going to join with this other person right here. And that's exactly what I did. Cause for the longest time, me and Allison, I was like, I used to have conversations. I was like, we had a similar experience. And I was like, man, this is crazy. I've never, after meeting so many people, um, in creating a running group, I had never met anybody who was as passionate about I was in terms of using running as a vehicle, you know, um, mm-hmm. and sharing that passion. I was like, yo, I emailed my whole group. I was like, listen, we're going to Monday Night Run. And that's when I just started joining Harlem Run. Uh, and it, it just, it's been a crux. And that's why always been my why, because I always put my why ahead of myself. It's, I know it's bigger than me. And when it's bigger than you, you don't put your ego in it. It's just about the work and and the people. And that's why I think me and Allison, we share so much in common with, um, because it's all about the work and the people. And we don't let a lot of this, like, like other things, like, get in the way. So it keeps us focused, especially me. Mm. Yeah, I feel like in order to really be that passionate about running, there has to be a bigger why behind it. And that's how I feel. So I really love that other people share that idea. It can't really just be putting in mile after mile. Um, I think a lot of people feel that there has to be a greater why. Yeah, definitely. So I'm really curious, you started to bring up Harlem Run. And first of all, did you and your wife start that together? What did the beginning of that look like? Well, no. So she started on her own, you know, she has her story and I know you can, I I don't want to steal her thunder because everybody, if you haven't heard already, um, Allison is just a powerful change agent. And so Mm -hmm. she started it by herself in 2013. I met her early in 2014 when it was like really small. Like I'm getting, my group was really small, but we found each other via Instagram and it's the power of hashtags. And that's why I think one thing we have in common is we use social media. We're very intentional about using social media. And uh, that's why I always harp on people like, oh, like a lot of people who are like older than me and say social media is like the bane of their existence. I'm like, well, you, you, fo- you follow the wrong people because it's all about who you follow, what, like what's in your timeline, who are you connecting with and how are you utilizing it? So I think both of us use it. We're very intentional about how we use it. And that's exactly how she found me because she used Harlem hashtag Harlem run and I used the hashtag we run Harlem and she's like who is this guy using this hashtag <laughs> and that's how we got connected uh so it was through the power of social media and just being intentional um and then when I joined uh like it was just her and I was like let me come and you know help you lead this group uh and that's how so I stepped in as a leader because she didn't have anybody else who was like really helping her lead the group and I like, I mean, she'll always tell you like from the difference in my group was that I was inspired by somebody who walked. And so I was, I made sure that I, I reminded people that even if you walk, you can join. And so I will work, you know, walk, walk, walk along, walk, or work alongside with walkers, 
joggers and people who run wherever people were at that's why i joined them. and so when i came joined harlem run i was like we need a walking group and i led that that walking group so i wasn't even running with harlem run from the get-go is i was like trying to get people to, to walk and creating that space invited people in because running can be it can be really intimidating to a lot of people and so when we say we have a walking group people are like oh well, if you have a walking group, then I could definitely come. Because we get so many messages saying, oh, you guys will run too fast. You'll leave me behind. I was like, well, do you want to walk? And a lot of people, they, they end up wanting to walk. And so that's, that's a, a powerful um, part of our group in which has led, it sparked um, the next, another additional pace group, which we have. Because we, so now, since we've grown, we have pace groups from as fast as seven minute per mile to 12 minute per mile. And then we also have a walking group and then now a run walking group because some of our walkers they're like i want to work up to the run but i'm not able to run non-stop so like let's just run walk so they run for two well run for like three minutes walk for three minutes and then repeat and so that was that has been a great space too because people they're just in between you know because people was like oh i need to get to a certain place before i meet you guys and i'm like no just come um and there's a space if you want to walk you can run walk whatever is wherever you are at um, there's a space at Harlem Run, and so we like to have those different spaces so that everybody can, you know, feel welcome and not intimidated. Yeah. So first of all, Allison sounds like a super powerful individual, and I might have to interview her one day because it sounds like she's done some incredible work. Um, and you spoke quite a lot about the accessibility of Harlem Run and how everyone kind of has a place in it. And I know there's also such a strong feeling of community. So I'm curious, how do you foster that feeling of unity and community when there's so many different groups and um everyone's really welcome well one of the things we meet in a in a local a local park and so to be honest like at the time when we first started we used to meet in like a, a closet of a harlem run yoga studio um well a harlem yoga studio and um and that was on 125th street but eventually when we stopped growing when we started growing we needed a bigger space to meet um, so like we host bag chat at a local group at a local uh, restaurant. And again, this is the whole point, creating connections in the community. So we reach out to local business owners like, Hey, can you support us? And that's, how, and that's another thing. It's all about connections. It's all about building relationships and uh, creating connections with people in our communities. Uh, and then we started meeting in Marcus Garvey park. And then, I mean, if you haven't, so one of the other things is, was that was it last year, I think it might've been last year. Um, which uh, the commissioner of New, of New York City Parks and, and Recs, he, uh, he he like bestowed us with this amazing honor of putting a, a like a, a stand or a plaque in in Marcus Garvey Park that is now known as Harlem Run Plaza. And again, like people ask, it's like, oh, how can we get one too? And it's not something we asked. We didn't fill out an application for. It's because since our inception, we've been utilizing local parks for our workouts on Mondays. That's where we meet. And then also for our Thursday workouts. So uh, we, and it's like, we don't just use tracks because again, tracks can be intimidating. We do stair workouts. Um, uh, we'll use the parks as a, just a, a reference point um, to do like speed workouts. Uh, and we've also done so much work in the community that they recognized us for that work. And um, it was an honor. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, that's just who we are. And so we've been doing that for a long time. Community is basically our cornerstone, and we build on everything from that. And uh, it's from the people we connect with, 
Uh, and I, we always say like, there's so many, we have people who, I mean, who have disclosed to us, like they're either unemployed or people who are really wealthy. And there's just so many, it's a mix of groups um, and our leadership. It's men and women. Uh, we have black and brown. I mean, it's grown so much. Uh, and one of the things we have, we have difficult conversations about our leadership too. One of the things we wish, like granted, there are people, there are people in our group who identify as LGBTQ. Um, mm -hmm. And like, but they may or may not be in our, our leadership, which is like, we talk about that. Um, and again, I mean, we're open at expanding our leadership, but we have difficult conversations and we recognize like holes and voids that we may not necessarily be filling um, because that's what leadership does. You help each other grow. And, I, and then that's what me and Allison, I um, mean, not only she's my wife and my partner, we help each other grow. And we also have these conversations with our leadership to help each other grow because that's the only way. I mean, that's, we don't want to be the same every year, year in and year out, day in and day out, because we, each and every day we try to do and be better. Yeah, I feel like that's so important to the sustainability of any group, right? Like being able to have those tough conversations that people too often shy away from. So that's really, really important that you're doing that. And you talked about your role in the community and how important Harlem Run is in the community. I recently watched the news story that PIX11 did on Harlem Run. And I, I was really drawn to it because it was just so evident how much of a role and how much of a presence you have in the community. I mean, they showed the spot where community or city leaders has, have designated as Harlem Run Plaza. And um, it was just really powerful to learn so much about the presence you have in the community. So I'm curious, what other organizations have you partnered with? Could you tell me a little bit more about the organizations you're involved with, with in Harlem? Yeah, in particular, so we've done a lot of work with Harlem United. Uh, so every year we host a one mile, well, we hosted a one mile race around Marcus Garvey Park. And at the time we would benefit uh, Harlem United, which is a local nonprofit, which in the times past, they were mainly focused on, on uh, the population who was either infected or affected by HIV and AIDS. Mm -hmm. uh, they've since then like kind of expanded uh, like the populations that they support. So it is people who are infected or, or affected by HIV and AIDS, but it's also um, the population don't necessarily have voices and access to services. So with like housing, food, um, medicine, it's, it's so many things. And uh, so I'm glad that we partnered with Harlem United for a long time. And then we've kind of expanded. We've also worked with uh, one of our good friends. Um, he's a fashion designer, him and his family. They uh, have uh, the Harlem Haberdashery, which is on Lenox Avenue. We collaborate with them a lot to produce a lot of events. And he has since started a nonprofit called Take Care of Harlem. And we've uh, donated and supported and helped them raise funds for a lot of initiatives that they do. Um, and he works a lot with getting school supplies. Um, we, yeah, we help them uh, get school supplies for uh, local students and well, students in the local area um, and just like book bags and then also cleaning up, beautifying certain, certain uh, gardening plots that are like uh, within the walkways on certain areas. Because again, that's what we got to take care of the community that we inhabit. Um, and so, I mean, that's the least that we could do. So take care of Harlem, Harlem United. Uh, we also work with the Harlem Boys and Girls Club. Um, they've since like, they have a new big location, which is on 145th Street. Um, so that's another organization, nonprofit that we support 
Uh, and yeah, we're always about making connections and everybody knows about us, which is great. And again, that's like, we'll go through the streets of Harlem and people will cheer us on and people who haven't seen us like, yo, when can I, when can I join you? And we'll shout out, you know, every Monday night. And that's how people, that's how people get, it's even like people see us on the street um, and then they end up joining us the next week. About how big is that group now? It sounds just like a very present group. Yeah, so, you know, when the weather is nice, uh, I mean, that's when everybody comes out. So when it's warm, nice outside, we'll get like 150, 200 people. Wow. Um, yeah, and that's like like how big it gets. I mean, we could get even mm-hmm. bigger than that when we do bigger, um, bigger events than that. Uh, but yeah, when it's warm, 150, 200 outside. And then like, obviously when it rains, that's when you get people who like, they really want to get out and they're reminded like they want to run no matter what. Um, and people still show up for that. And then Thursdays, we get about like half of that, um, like 60 to 100, um, depending on the workout. But yeah, people just show up and that's that's it. Yeah, well, I hope that once uh, this quarantine ends, you can all get back together because it sounds like such an awesome group to be a part of. And I'll definitely leave the links to all the organizations that you mentioned in the show notes. So folks who are in New York or around the area can check them out and I just love this thread of advocacy it just seems so present just throughout like your running journey and everything that you're doing with running so that's just really cool to hear how how present that is for you throughout um so I want to talk a little bit more about Harlem and just the experience of running in Harlem because I actually I, I mentioned I was born in New York and I think I always thought, I don't know if I could move back to New York because I need like more open space. I love trail running. And a few years ago, I went on a run from one of my uncle's apartments and he lives right by Harlem. So I was running through Harlem and then right by the Hudson. And that was the first time where I think I was like, this is beautiful. This is such a great community and environment. I could totally live here. Um, So I want to say thank you to your neighborhood for that because it gave me such a great experience of running in New York. And I'm curious, what's so special to you about running in Harlem? Oh, I mean, like Harlem, it's like has such rich history. Um, And so that's one of the things we try to highlight on everything that we do. Like, for example, like we created these new buffs, which we had no idea would be uh, like essential right now during this time mm-hmm. when they say you should cover up your, your nose and your mouth while you're running outside. Um, and we actually just sold out, which is crazy. So we're glad we could give those or sell those to people because that's the one thing that we do. Our runs week in and week out are free. We always want to make those accessible no matter what. You could just show up and that's it. But obviously we sell gear, which is an opportunity for us to generate, just create something, be creative, create stuff. Um, and, and so creating those we have uh the history of harlem so i mean so many things that are still here like the cotton club you go on astor row um strivers row where uh like a lot of uh people in the renaissance all these amazing artists and painters and poets and activists everybody lived um i mean we used to live on uh, like close to jackie robinson park and one of those buildings is historic because um uh, thurgood marshall lived in the building uh 
I mean, I think Malcolm X lived in that building for a period of time, or he maybe he shared that apartment, but there's so much rich history mm-hmm. um, in Harlem. And so for me, that would make, that's what makes it, uh, that's what I love so much about it. And I think we're playing a part now, and I, and I have to remind myself, like, we're a part of that rich history now uh, because we're continuing to, to give back to it. Because uh, that's what life is, you know, we've been given all this energy and now we need to continue to give it back. And we give back so much to Harlem because it gave so much to us. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're definitely doing a great job of being so strong in that evolving history of, of Harlem. So that's really exciting. And then you talked about like getting outdoors. Like, so that's the other thing. So I love the trails. And one mm-hmm. of the beautiful things, like, thank God we have a uh, Metro North train station in Harlem, which you can, you can hop on in Metro North and you can go um, ride up and hit some nice trails. You can like a lot, I know one of my favorite places to go is Bear Mountain. Um, Bear Mountain is great. Harriman State Park. You can actually run like a good 20 miles if you have somebody to support you. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You could get a good 20 mile in. There's Breakneck Ridge. Uh, where else is a place? And obviously if I'm driving in, if you have access, you can rent a car, go up to even further to like uh, my my favorite spot is Minnewaska, um, Minnewaska State mm-hmm. Park, uh, which is beautiful because they have wide open carriage roads. Um, and they also have some like really rough trails that you have to climb and even maybe even a little scramble a little bit. Um, but yeah, I like to get outdoors and you have access to that. Um, and that's where I remind people, just hop on the Metro North, mm-hmm. take it up a little bit and then bring your trail running sneakers or if you want to, if you want to just go for a hike, because that's, again, that's another thing I've been expanding to. I lead hikes now. I'm, a, I'm actually an outdoor guide, which I, I really enjoy. And that's one thing, like, I, I can't wait, like, I'm still running right now, but I really can't wait to um, get back outdoors and, and uh, lead some hikes. Yeah, I feel like that's a big misconception people have about New York City is they think that there is no access to the outdoors, but there's such a great public transportation system that Mm -hmm. it's actually pretty easy, in my experience, to to access the outdoors. And you start to talk a little bit about your outdoor guide experience. And I know that, I mean, you have this community and connection focus of your work with Harlem Run that seems to flow really nicely into your work with Discover Outdoors. Could you talk a little bit more about Discover Outdoors, what that is, what you do with them? Yeah, so um, that's another, I got connected to it through them, through my wife. Um, they were looking for guides at the time and she's like, my husband, he's like a great, I've, I have been trail running for a long time now and I've been places, but I never really, I've always just wanted to run. <laughs> I never even, uh, like I, I wasn't focused on hiking. Um, and then once I got involved with Discover Outdoors, this is when I think the more technical aspect of it um, really emerged. And so like now I'm actually a wilderness first aid responder. Um, for the people who don't know about that, like when you're, if you're an hour outside of anything outside of an hour, like say if you get injured or hurt uh, from immediate care. So like, say if you like uh, break your ankle and you need to get like have surgery or something, or if you like uh, pierce like an artery or something and you need like, really serious surgery if you're outside of an hour i can save your life (laughs) um and so as an outdoor guide you should be trained like that because you never you never know what can happen Uh, i mean i've heard of so many things going going wrong and so being trained now to 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 know how to handle situations has put me at ease and i am then in turn 
able to put other people at ease because some people when they're in the outdoors, they're worried about everything. Uh, so yeah, I have working with Discover Outdoors. I'm now trained to um, to lead hikes, um, lead multiple. I lead been leading like really large groups, which has been good. Uh, depending on the size, I might need an extra person, but now I know how to manage that. Now I've been doing my own research, researching on a lot of history uh, with the local parks. I've really doing a lot of history um, in terms of acknowledging, you know, like one of the biggest things in the, in recent years is really acknowledging uh, the the people who have been here before us. So the Native Americans, like who don't often don't get uh, recognition because they were the stewards in this land before a lot of us and more, most of this land was taken away from them. Um, and so doing more research in the areas that I inhabit, who was here before it became, you know, this local state park, uh, what happened before all of that. So I do a lot of research in that. And so now whenever I'm in spaces and lead groups there, that's a lot of stuff that I touch on, you know, definitely want to share history and invite people to do their own history because it's not one to just hike in it. And it just happened to some space, inhabit the space, but you want to respect it as well. So. so you're doing so much in advocacy work. And I'm curious, what are your goals for the future, either with Outdoor Guides or Harlem Run or both? Yeah, so, you know, in working with Harlem Run and collaborating with so many in, uh, local nonprofits uh, for the future for me, uh, I've actually just started a, a nonprofit of my own. And so ever since I've been in Harlem Run, anytime we've come around, the other thing I'm really, really passionate about is working with the youth. Because we have like some young kids that run with us too. So it happens in two different ways. Either young kids hear about us and they bring their parents, because we always say you can't come by yourself, you know, you got to bring your parents. Or the parents come and they bring their kids. And uh, the way I like to refer to any children or young young adults that join us, I always call them young legends. Um, and that's one of my one of my hashtags that I use. So that is actually the name of of the nonprofit I, I started. So it's the Young Legends Foundation. And with the Young Legends Foundation, it's all about getting uh, the youth and young adults out in the outdoors. Um, and so. I've started it already, but again, with the whole global pandemic, yeah. uh, I haven't really been pushing it out there yet. So, because uh, the thing was, I'm working on creating a partnership with a local school to help curate like experiences like that for their students. Mm, yeah, that sounds like a really incredible group. And I'm sure, I mean, it sounds like it's something that should be able to get great traction once this pandemic is over, because yeah. it seems like it's it would be so important to so many people. And I'm sure there's a lot of community members who would be really interested in that. Yeah. So I think listeners hearing this podcast might think you're super busy uh, hearing about what you do as an outdoor guide and Harlem run, but we haven't even touched on your main job, which is you're a senior researcher at Columbia University Medical Center. So can you tell me what you do at Columbia? Yeah, so um, for those who don't know, I graduated from college with a degree in biotechnology, and I've been working in the field, oh my God, a while now. So yeah, I've been at Columbia like nine years, and before that, I was at the Aaron Diamond Age Research Center, uh, and I was just like a, a regular tech, but now I kind of manage my own, own lab. And so when I was at Aaron Diamond, I learned about flow cytometry and advanced microscopy which sounds very complex, but it all involves lasers and fluorescent either antibodies or proteins. There's different ways you can mix and use them. Um, and so I collaborate with other people to design experiments and then to analyze results and actually 
We ended up publishing papers, all types of stuff. So I help people in their experiments. So what I love, what I really do, it's not my own thing. I collaborate with people. Everything is so crazy to think about it now. A lot of things that I do, even my main job, it's all about collaboration mm -hmm. um, because I share my skill set with other people who need my help. And then we help each other get the results that they are looking for. Um, so it's a lot of fun. It's like, I really, it's, it's amazing work. Um, yeah, again, I've been at Columbia nine years now, which man, it really flew by. So at Columbia, I'm in a department of microbiology and immunology. Mm -hmm. And so now most of the stuff that I do is not just solely specifically HIV and AIDS, like it used to be. Um, I do a lot of cancer related stuff. And then today I'm actually working on a coronavirus study, which we're getting, well, so now we're taking donor samples from people who have recovered uh, who have been tested positive and ex tested positive for COVID-19 and recovered, you know, been, been discharged from the hospital. And so we're screening them to see what antibodies are being presented. And we want to see if any of these antibodies can neutralize the coronavirus. And if that's the case, the next step will be to treat, to test that on like a monkey model study um, and then test it to see if it works in humans. And then hopefully if that does work, then they can actually manufacture it. And this could be a solution. Uh, for hopefully that can help protect people in the future. Because again, the problem now is people are getting infected and they have like really serious, extreme symptoms. And some people can't, they can't recover and they're passing away, which is, is sad, unfortunately. Um, but hopefully something like this, a therapy like this, you know, at most you might get mild symptoms and then you'll recover, you know? So, but we'll see. So I'm continuing, like I go into work like once or twice a week to do some of these experiments. And then uh, that's about it. Other than that, I'm home because, you know, they want people to social, be socially distanced and they want so many people uh, at Columbia. We just want to make sure that we flatten the curve together and people, wherever you can play your part, um, you know, do your part. And some for some people, that's just quarantining at home, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I speak for like everyone right now when I say like, thank you so much. I know that we're all, really grateful for the people who are working not only on the front lines but yeah. in the labs and I mean we're all I know I'm reading the news way too much it's not good for my mental health but it's really amazing to think about all the people while I'm reading about the antibodies and everything thinking about the people who are actually working to make that possible and to make us have some solutions so thank you so much for that um, everyone you. really appreciates it so you talked a little bit about uh, your church and your a little bit about your faith. I mean, I've recently listened to a lot of interviews with endurance athletes who say that faith and or spirituality plays a big role in their lives. And I'm curious whether you see any connection between endurance sports and faith or spirituality. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I think so. When I run ultra marathons, I mean, like I, I share, there's so many things I tap into. Uh, and one of them is my faith. You know, it's like, for me, it's like a mindful meditative space that I get into where I don't even worry about the miles or whatever, like hills or going downhill, whatever. I don't worry about things. Um, I'm just like, I, sometimes I get into a trance and I like focus on my breathing. Uh, I reflect on a lot of stuff. I mean, I even tap into rage. I get angry. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many emotions and experiences that I tap into while I'm doing ultra marathons. So actually the farthest I've actually gone is 50 miles. 
Um, I'm really looking forward to, you know, when all this blows over to do like a hundred mile distance and then even longer. Because uh, then again, I'll just tap into everything. Yeah, again, it's, I tap into those meditative, mindful spaces. I think about the people who have really poured into my life. Um, and yeah, I'm grateful for, you know, having a, a faith community in Harlem that I, I usually, like when I'm not, you know, with my wife or my, or my son, like that's, I get to spend and, you know, talk time or talk to people uh, in, in my faith community. Um, and that's, we just support each other because there's so much that's, that goes on. Uh, and I try to create bridges to, you know, all these different communities. And I've had people from my church who not run with me, which is great. Uh, so it's, again, it's just so many different communities and they, uh, they enter, interlap into each other. And, you know, they're so connected in so many ways, but definitely with ultra, ultra marathons, long distance. Uh, I mean, I tap in everything. I say short prayers, I say poems. Um, to get my mind off of the miles because uh, if you can't like then it's so many like doubt creeps in mm -hmm. worry um, or like I want to stop so many things creep into your mind and so, so many of these other things that really help me uh, to get through it. Yeah you talked about that kind of deep place of like meditation and spirituality that you get into when you're running long distances and that's something that as a runner like i know exactly what you're talking about and i've had so much trouble trying to explain that to non-runners because i feel like it's this mindset that oh it's just so hard to explain but you know i know exactly what you're talking about and it's a really special place when you're running for long periods of time yeah because i mean for people like it's hard to explain until you do it mm -hmm. like Put yourself in a position where you're running, I don't know, 31 miles if you're doing a 50K, right? Uh, and then even if you train for things, like you might, a nagging injury can turn to something which will be detrimental to you finishing mm -hmm. the race. <laughs> and you have to dig deep. And you dig deep, I mean, to so many, so many areas that you don't know uh, that supply you with energy. Um, and push you and propel you forward. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think about so many things. Like, I, I mean, God, I like now being a dad, because, uh, like, not have, not growing up with a father, like, I'm so focused on uh, being there for my son. Like, now this has been, like, great because I'm home. I'm watching mm -hmm. my son. He's actually starting to do a little army crawl. <laughs> He's not using his legs yet. It's the cutest yeah. thing. But, yeah, I'm focused <laughs> on being a dad. Um and uh yeah and, and really talking a lot about what fatherhood means yeah so many things and I'm, I'm really grateful to be a dad right now just because uh not having one but granted i've been somebody who is um i'm the product of a lot of male mentors but again not having when the void of not having a dad there that's that's something that can never be filled so i'm glad that i'm actually being present for my son and also being a good husband for my wife because that's what it ain't easy when you give birth to a child. So yeah, have a supportive husband. Yeah. So we keep talking about all these connections that you find in your running. And also we keep touching on your own athletic pursuits, but like not really talking about it. Oh. So I just want to mention that you're a really successful athlete yourself. I know that you've, you know, qualified for Boston and you've done all these ultra marathons and had some pretty impressive finishes. So do you have a favorite athletic pursuit that you've done? Oh yeah, so um, goodness, favorite. 
it would have to be so i like things that are really hard i mean really mm -hmm. hard if somebody tells me that i can't do something uh, or if they told me that's the hardest thing they've ever done in their life or they heard about it i'm like sign me up so what is it so not only is harlem run sponsored by under armor i'm also a ua sponsored athlete which is great. So last year we went to, what was that? Copper Mountain in Colorado. Mm -hmm. And so the elevation is crazy. It's like you go from 9,000 feet to like 12,000 feet um, within like the first like nine miles, I think, nine or 10 miles. Uh, and so I did the 50K since that was the longest distance I think they offered. Yeah, it was a 50K. Um, so the first loop, it was two loops. The first loop, I was like, oh, I'm fine. But then as I'm going up the second time, man, my lungs. I started getting a little uh, elevation sickness. So my head started bumping. I just felt veins in my head throbbing. Um, my lungs started getting a little sore. And I was like, damn, this is hard. But I just kept pushing through. And eventually it kind of like passed. But like a lot of that elevation sickness just continued. Um, but again, it's moments like that. It just you push through and continue going. Because uh, I was like, I already did one loop. I know I could do another one. And that's, I just kept going. So granted, that was really hard, but it was so much fun. The, I mean, granted, we have access to the outdoors, but we don't have access to you know, high elevation where I could put myself in it enough to really prepare for that. So you just throw yourself into it and just give it all you got. So that was, last year was one of my favorite things, um, was going out to Colorado and uh, doing a 50K. What do you think keeps drawing you back to such hard physical challenges? You, you mentioned that if someone tells you you can't do it, you want to do it. What draws you to that? I guess I just have this knack. I, I'm always, I love pushing myself into the unknown. So like if I've never experienced, I really want to know what that feels like. Because I think once you push yourself into those spaces, you learn so much about yourself. Yeah, because it's, it's that like, when you're in that position, what do you do? You don't know until you actually try it out. So granted, I could speak to somebody on it, but once I'm actually in it, now I know what to do. Like, cause if, for example, I know how to run, I know what it takes to complete 50 miles. And that was, oh man, that's, that was so hard. Mm -hmm. To be honest, there's not many moments in my life where I really wanted to quit things. I wanted to quit. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a point uh there was like an eight mile loop so we did a, the 50 mile race was in minnewaska state park right next to the mohonk preserve and there was an eight mile loop where there was nobody and at that point and this was like at mile 31 it was like 30 to 38 something like that it was eight mile loop and it was heavy fog i was by myself I was like, damn i want to quit but man I just had to keep digging deep and feeding myself a lot of positive thoughts, positive energy. And I'm like, yo, you can't stop now. You already did 30 miles. You can't, you can't stop. Like, what are you going to do? Have like a car come get you? No, keep going, keep going. And so after I passed that spot, I just, I, I was good. But again, there's always, there's those moments of like that doubt creeping. Even like me, I wanted to quit. I was about to toss in the towel and like, take me home. But Nah, I just kept going and uh, ended up finishing and I felt good. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I've never done an ultra marathon, so I can't completely relate to that. But I totally relate to like the, the sentiment of running as like, it's kind of like a metaphor for life, you know, or whenever you want to, you yes. want to quit. So you before we wrap up, I've started doing these fun and fast rapid fire style questions. So whenever you're ready, we can go through those. 
Central Park or Van Cortland Park? Oh, Van Cortland Park. Oh, okay. New York bagels or New York pizza? New York pizza. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I respectfully disagree. I'm a New York <laughs> person. Trail races or road races? Definitely trail races. That's an easy one. What's your favorite race you've ever done? I guess we kind of touched on that. Ooh, well, granted, ooh, is that my favorite Maybe race? not. I mean, it was, it was, uh, you know what? Actually, one of my favorite races was actually, uh, it's actually a shorter race. It was actually the Red Hook Crit. Um, it's a 5K, but man, people are flying. That was actually, to date, the fastest 5K I've ever done in my life. They've been on hiatus last year, and obviously because of the global pandemic, I don't know if they're going to come back here. But it's it's a it's a five k race that that's attached to like a a bike crit, um, and so basically it's a flat course. It's so many turns, but you're flying. It's super fast. Um, that's actually one of my favorite races. Mm, cool. I'll definitely have to check that one out. It sounds like a fun race. So I love to end on the question that I ask everyone on this podcast. That is, why is sport such a powerful platform for social change? Oh, well, I mean, like sports is such a powerful platform for social change um, because it brings so many different people together. And I mean, normally, like, yeah, just from anything, like, as you can see, we have people who walk, run, people who are Muslim, Jewish, Christian, uh, black, brown from so many parts of the community, from the world, uh, sports really brings people together. And now in the midst of bringing people together, that's where you uh, remind people like, yo, one, there's a lot of things we share in common, but there's also a lot of things that, uh, that are different. And, it's, and you know, in our differences, that it's fine. We can learn and we can grow. And, uh, but again, it's starting from the places that we share in common, and, but then re also recognizing that there are some areas that, you know, we are separate and we're different. Um, like case in point, with the whole global pandemic, it's not a surprise that black and brown communities uh, are, you know, disenfranchised, you know? And so it's, it's a glaring, these places don't have access to the resources that can really help out. Um, and that's why like, yo, we do what we do. Because more black and brown communities, especially in like in New York City, those are the places that have like high high blood pressure, hypertension, all these all these issues. Um, and they're also over policed. Uh, there's so many things. So again, we have these conversations in ways in which we can kind of change our communities. Um, and so it's powerful. And that's why I just I'm really I, I do that within my own my own life, and I hope other people do because a lot of people try to say oh, we should keep politics or other things out of sport. I'm like, nah, everything is in sport. So many things control. Um, and that's why sport is such a powerful vehicle to do that. And if you're in sport, you should recognize, I think we all have, you know, some people feel they have more or greater responsibilities than others, but I think we all do. So. Ooh, yeah. I mean, a sport is political. And I'm really happy that you brought this back to the uneven effects of COVID-19 and just in general, the inadequate access to resources in a lot of black and brown communities because I think it's something that is not being talked about enough in this time of pandemic so thank you for that yeah. and thank you in general for being on this podcast this has been really fun I've really enjoyed speaking with you thank you for hosting us this is awesome it's really powerful 
And I just look forward to continuing to see how it grows and other, other change agents that you talk to. Um, I'll definitely stay connected. Awesome. Thank you, Amir. Thank you for listening to this episode of Social Sport. Amir is definitely one of the heroes doing such incredible work in this pandemic time. And in general, he does such incredible work for the Harlem community and the greater New York community in general. To learn more about Amir, you can check out his website, amirmfiguroa.com. And you can also follow him on Facebook at amir.figueroa and on Twitter and Instagram at amirmfiguroa. You can also check out Harlem Run on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and at their website. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, and give it a follow on at socialsportpod on Instagram. Also, be sure to reach out if anything particularly spoke to you during this episode. I love connecting with new people, so definitely shoot me a message on Instagram. You can find all of the links and resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes at anchor.fm slash social sport. Thanks for joining me today. Stay well, everyone. And as always, keep sporting and keep resisting.